Amen. Please remain standing and take the pages of the scripture in your hand this morning for our scripture reading. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the Old Testament, the book of Psalm 16. The book of Psalm 16. Psalm 16, where we have the messianic uh, prophecy about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and things that surrounds his death. Psalm 16, uh, starting from verse 7 to uh, 11. The Word of God. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Turn now to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. Those of you who are here for the first time, we are going through the Gospel of Mark every Sunday morning, and this morning we find ourselves in chapter 15, beginning from verse 42 to 47. We finish chapter 15 by God's grace this morning. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when, the, when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, rubbed him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, this morning our desire is for the Holy Spirit to rule our hearts and our minds through the preaching of your word. And for the Holy Spirit to use the preaching of your word to conform us to the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to show us 
that Jesus is indeed the Christ. And also your glory to be the highest end of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to ask you all what the gospel is. What is the gospel? I believe most of you here know what the gospel means. The word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, and it means good news, the message of good news. But what is the good news of the gospel? What is the content of the gospel? And it is always true when you come to this specific question, what is the gospel? The people always give one common, always repeated answer. And the answer that you often hear when you ask, what is the gospel to, to, to anyone? The answer that you normally hear from people is, it is the good news of Jesus Christ dying for my sins on the cross. Or saving me by dying on my behalf on the cross. When you give that answer... I want to tell, tell you that you will not be mistaken. But your answer will not be complete. Because according to the scripture, the good news of the gospel involves not only the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, but also his burial and his resurrection. The Apostle Paul, in 1 first, first Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, he gives us the definition of the gospel. Listen to Paul. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 3 and 4, this is what Paul uh, tells us. For I deliver to you as of first importance, this is the gospel, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Died. That's crucifixion. That's his death on the cross. He died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried. You see, his burial is also part of the gospel. Part of the good news. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. So the gospel is, yes, it is the message of uh, good news, good news of salvation. But salvation through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even this morning, we all confessed our faith using what? The Apostles' Creed. And in that creed, do you know, in that creed, you have the gospel. 
Listen to what you confessed this morning. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That's the Father, maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that's His birth, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, in case if anyone would argue, even historically, his death never happened, then you can mention to people, what about Pilate? He was a historical figure. He existed. He condemned Jesus Christ to death, suffered under Pontius Pilate. And then listen to this. Was crucified, dead, and buried the third day he rose again from the dead. That's exactly what you confessed this morning. In your confession was the gospel. In your confession was the good news of your salvation through the, through the crucifixion of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and his resurrection. Now we often talk about the cross. We love to talk about the cross. We love to talk about resurrection. In fact, when we read our Bible, when we do our meditation, we often come to the cross and we also come to resurrection. But how many of you, let me ask you, how many of you in, a, in your private uh, devotion reflect on the burial of Jesus Christ? You know, you have this one in the middle. Death Resurrection, in the middle, you have his burial. Often, it is overlooked. We don't even take time to think about it, to reflect on it, to, to try to understand what really happened in the grave, what really happened in his burial. His crucifixion was supernatural. He died for our sins. The just died for the unjust. The just died to dress us by his own righteousness. The righteousness that we received from him by faith. And then the just who died for us was raised up from the dead for our justification. His resurrection was supernatural. His crucifixion was a supernatural act of God. So do his burial. The question is, how many of us think that even his burial was not less supernatural? His, his, his burial was significant. It was foundational for our Christian belief and understanding and confession. And this morning I want us to consider the, the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. The burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you see, the crucifixion was significant, it was supernatural, so did the resurrection. But you see, the same power was manifested. The same power that was manifested on Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection was manifested in his burial. To show us that Jesus Christ 
indeed was the Messiah. Jesus Christ indeed was the Christ who came to die for the people of God. And I want us to consider this under three points this morning, taken from our text. First, I want to show you God's providence ruling over Jesus' burial. Everything that took place in his burial, around his burial, in his burial, was governed by God's providence. Do you know that? The Father was in control of the burial of his own son. Not the Romans, not Pilate, not the high priest in Israel, but the Father himself was in charge. He was in full control of the burial of his own son, Jesus Christ. And I want, I want to show you that. Secondly, I want us to consider the loving saint, Joseph, honoring the body of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, I want us to consider Jesus' exaltation in his burial. So first, I want us to think about God's providence ruling over Jesus' burial. Listen to the, to, the, to the report that Mark gives us here in verse uh, 42. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now we will focus on verse 42 only for now. It was the day of preparation. Those criminals, including Jesus, according to the Jewish people and according to Romans, who were hanging on the, on the tree, on the cross, they should not stay on the tree until the Sabbath. Before the Sabbath, they have to die and be removed from the tree. Verse 42, the day of preparation before the Sabbath. And beloved, there are two ways that God fulfills His purposes supernaturally. The first one is by miracle. And miracle means when God accomplishes His plan by suspending natural order of things. Incarnation is uh, one example for us. The birth of Jesus Christ from the Virgin Mary. Mary was conceived from the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. Her conception and the birth of Jesus Christ was a miracle. You remember Jesus blessing the five loaves and two fish and, and feeding 5,000 people, that was a miracle. So God fulfills his purpose here on earth by miracles. And then you have his work of providence. God also fulfills his purpose. Especially the work of redemption. 
by the work of his providence. In providence, God accomplishes his purpose without interrupting or suspending the natural course of things. We call this God's work of providence. Those of you who remember your shorter catechism, question 11, what are God's works of providence? The answer that the catechism gives us is very helpful. God's work of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing. Notice the word governing, ruling, governing. Governing what? All his creatures and all their actions. So in the burial of Jesus Christ, you had uh, Roman soldiers, you had Pilate. You had Joseph of Arimathea. You had Nicodemus. You know, all these characters around his burial. And they were governed by God's work of providence. What do I mean by that? Well, all started... In the Gospel of John, chapter 19. The Gospel of John, chapter 19. And what we see in John, uh, chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all, wo- all was now finished, Say to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a, a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop uh, branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Why is this important? Providence was controlling the time of his death. Jesus gave up his own life by his own accord. Isn't that what the scripture tells us in John 10, 17? No one takes my life from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge, I have received it from my Father. Not only that, Revelation 1.18 tells us, I have the keys of death and Hades. Who is this? Jesus has the authority and the power that he received from his Father to, to give up his own life at the, at the moment that God um, predestined, that God decreed for his son to die on the cross. He was crucified at 9 a.m. and gave up his life at 3 p.m. in abnormal amount of time. You see, normally, victims who are crucified would survive on the cross from two to three days. 
When Jesus gave up his life, the two thieves on each side were still alive. You go to John 19. The soldiers came to make sure that all of them were dead. So they first broke the legs of the two thieves because they were still alive. They had to break their legs to speed up their deaths. They came to Jesus. He was already dead. So his legs were not broken. Who was in control? Pilate? The Romans? No. God the Father was in control. The legs of his son, the legs of our Savior were preserved. They were not broken by the Romans. What does that show you? Providence was controlling what led to his burial. God was in control. In Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23, the Word of God says, If a man has uh, committed a crime punishable by death, and he's put to death, and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. You see, if someone didn't die, they speed up his death by breaking his legs. Jesus' legs were, were not broken. The scripture was fulfilled. Psalm 69, 20, reproaches have, have broken my heart. But also, you see, God preserved the honor and the glory of his son by not allowing the Roman soldiers break the legs of his own son. And what does that show you, brothers and sisters in Christ? You see, even his burial, even what he led to his burial, while he was still on the cross, our God was in control. And we'll see more about that was my third point. But now we come to my second point, the loving saint honoring Jesus. In verse 43, Mark tells us Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, this man by the name Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, comes from nowhere. We, we, we know nothing about him during Jesus' crucifixion. We know who the disciples were. We know what happened to the disciples. They, they flee. They were afraid. They abandoned Jesus exactly as he predicted. But now this man comes, Joseph of Arimathea from a city by the name Arimathea, outside of Jerusalem, where the prophet Samuel was born. This man comes from that city. 
But what do we know about this man? These things we know about this man. He was the member of the Sanhedrin. He was the member of the Jewish council. The council that gave Jesus to Pilate for death. But this Joseph of Arimathea was the member of the Jewish council. But also, uh, Matthew, in Matthew 27, tells us that he was a rich man. So he was a member of the council. He was a rich man. He was also a disciple of Jesus Christ. And John tells us in John 19, he was a disciple of Jesus Christ, but secretly, for fear of the Jews. Now imagine the risk that Joseph is taking. The risk that this man is taking. Do you know to whom he went to ask for the body of Jesus Christ, to honor the body of Jesus Christ? To Pilate, who condemned Jesus to death. This man, Joseph, went to Pilate at night. He risked his own life. Yes, he was a secret disciple, but, but, but notice what the scripture tells us. He gathered what? Courage. He knew what, what, what he was doing, and he knew what he would face. He didn't care. He had to do it. He had to express his love to Jesus publicly. He was a very influential man. He was prominent in Israel. But you see the risk he's taking. He was what? He took up his cross to follow Jesus. He took up his cross to follow Jesus. He was taking this risk. Beloved, I always say, it is better to be a secret disciple of Jesus Christ than uh, not being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes? But listen to this carefully. If you remain to be a secret disciple of Jesus Christ, a time will come to your life, by God's providence, where it becomes necessary for you to identify yourself with Jesus Christ publicly. That time will come to your life. If you are a true believer, but a secret disciple of Jesus Christ, for the fear of man, fear of men around you, fear of this world, if I stand and acknowledge Jesus as my Lord publicly, that, that person might say this about me, these people that might think you know, this about me. If you, if you are there right now as you hear this message, you need to learn from Joseph. Joseph said, enough. Enough. I will go out and declare publicly that Jesus is my Savior. And I will honor his body. I will go to Pilate. 
and ask for the body of Jesus Christ. Luke 9.26 For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the Holy Angels. This is warning for us. If you are a secret disciple, if you live in fear about your faith in Jesus Christ, your love for Jesus, Jesus is telling you not to be ashamed of him and his word. Romans 10, 11, you have this promise. If you are that person this morning. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. God will never disappoint those who believe in him. Those who gather courage and boldness and go even to a difficult place or difficult people. And make their faith in Jesus Christ known. You will not be disappointed, beloved, if you do that. We need to learn that from Joseph of Arimathea. And thirdly, Jesus' exaltation in his burial. Listen to Mark in verse 44. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. Why is Pilate surprised? Because Jesus died before time. He couldn't control it. And he was surprised. He even had to check with the centurion. I don't, I don't trust you, Joseph. I don't trust anyone. I will check with the centurion. And he, he summoned the centurion. And he asked him, is he dead? Is he really dead? And the centurion said, yes, he's dead. And this centurion was the one who saw every, everything, he observed everything on crucifixion and confessed. You remember what he confessed? The centurion. He said, indeed, this was the Son of God. The same centurion told Pilate, yes, he's dead. He's dead. And then Mark tells us Pilate granted the body of Jesus Christ to Joseph of Arimathea. Amazing. Joseph went to Calvary where Jesus was crucified with linen in his hand to honor the body of Jesus Christ. And Joseph himself brought Jesus down from the tree, from the cross. And do you know who helped him? Nicodemus was there to help him. Now listen to this carefully. Two prominent, influential men in Israel brought Jesus' body down from the tree so that the whole Israel, the whole world would know that even men among the Pharisees, men among the Sanhedrin, believed in him and honored him. The whole Israel, the whole world would know 
that those two men who at one time rejected him, believed in him, and honored his body. And, and Joseph put him in the tomb that he built for his own family. What happened there? Psalm 16, 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. If I, if, I, if I don't tell you the connection that is, this verse has with what took place in Israel, you will never understand this. But criminals who were crucified on a tree, after they expire, after they die, brothers and sisters in Christ, their body would be thrown into a pit a dam outside of Jerusalem that was known by the name Gehana, a place of misery. But Jesus' body was preserved so that his body will not see corruption. His body also was buried in Joseph's new tomb, and the scripture was fulfilled by that. Isaiah 53, 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, the two thieves. They made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. So you see, often we, we think Jesus' exaltation started in his resurrection. But I want you all to understand his exaltation began in his burial. When he didn't see corruption and was buried in the tomb of a rich man. The father, you see, that was the turning point. Isaiah 53.9 was the turning point. And, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. And then verse 10, listen to verse 10. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. That was not even the third day. That was in the grave. That was in his burial. The Son of God was exalted even in his burial. He never saw corruption and he was buried in the tomb of a rich man. So brothers and sisters in Christ, the burial of Jesus Christ is equally important for us, like his crucifixion and his resurrection. In his burial, we have this message of the good news. What is the good news? He was dead, 
And because he was dead, he was buried. And what does that tell you? The penalties of your sin has been paid. The wage of sin is death. Jesus was dead. And because he was dead, he was buried. His burial shows you that he was finished. Everything that your salvation required was finished. That's why Jesus said it is finished. And then he gave up his life and he was dead. And because he was dead, he was buried. That's the gospel. So your salvation, beloved, is through his crucifixion. Through his burial and through his resurrection. Is that what you believe? Is that what you believe? As you apply these things in your own Christian life, let me ask you this. Do you understand the full meaning of the gospel? Do you believe in Jesus' crucifixion, burial, resurrection. The other question that I want to ask all of you is maybe some of you or one person here is a secret disciple. And you are a secret disciple because you fear people around you. And I want you to learn from Joseph of Armatia this morning. And by God's grace, point, come to the, to the point in your life where you acknowledge Christ as your Savior publicly, without fear, without fear. And do you honor Jesus Christ? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not in Calvary. I don't see his body. I would have honored my Savior. Maybe, maybe you, you're saying that. But there are other ways that you honor Jesus today. And one of them is to be like Joseph or Matthias. Not to be ashamed of him. Would honor him. Would honor him. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who was buried, so that the work of our salvation would be fulfilled and accomplished the one who was raised up from the dead so that we all would be justified by faith in him. And this time we ask you to grant us your Holy Spirit, O Lord, so that we too would honor your Son, Jesus Christ, by declaring him, by acknowledging him publicly as the King, the Lord, and the Savior of our life. Oh Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit not to be ashamed of Jesus, but to honor him by confessing him as our own Savior publicly, openly. Work in 
the heart and in the mind of each and every one of us, especially those of us who might be secret disciples. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Help us to gather courage and boldness and go out and make Jesus known to all people. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's all-